0: Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I'm also the founder of the Menopause Charity. In addition, I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Clinic here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I'm very excited and delighted to introduce to you someone called Emma who I've just met over the screen because we're doing this podcast over the internet but I connected with her actually in pre-COVID days via Instagram so welcome Emma today.
1: Hi. Yeah, it was so long ago. It was at the um, Trek Stock event, wasn't it?
0: That's right. So it was before COVID and times that we were going out. I came down to London yeah. and gave, <laughs> I was on a panel actually for a charity called Trek Stock and it was talking about menopause for women who've had cancer in the past and after that you connected with me yeah and so I sort of enticed you to come <laughs> to talk about your experience because I was really struck by that evening how many women and I knew there were lots of women suffering but how many young women were really suffering in many ways but also they didn't have a platform or a or it's sort of an area where people could actually understand what they were going through. We're not even talking about treatment here. We're talking just about being able to vocalise your symptoms that were related to your low hormones, and someone saying, yes, I understand. That must be awful for you. They yes. didn't seem to even have that. So I came away from that meeting really sad, actually, really sad, and thought, gosh, oh. there's so much we need to do. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you for, for joining us. So, so are you happy just to set the scene really and to explain
1: yeah. why you're here and what what happened to you if that's okay yeah sure so well I'm Emma <laughs> I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 24 three years ago it was actually three years ago on Sunday um Gosh. <laughs> had my anniversary <laughs> Aww. I was diagnosed with HER2 and Eastern positive so I was told at the time you know you'll be doing like the chemo the surgery but you'll have some like add ons, so to speak, um, in terms of treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, one of those for the estrogen was endocrine therapy. So, right at the start, when I started chemo, I was um, given the Zolidex injection as part of my treatment, but also as an attempt to preserve fertility, which it seems like all people with ovaries are given, whether they've got a hormone related cancer or not, whilst they're going through chemo. And then once I finished chemo, we carried on with the injection, this time as part of treatment on its own with, I can't pronounce it, I'm not going to (laughs) lie, an aromatose
0: inhibitor. Aromatase inhibitor. There we go. So it blocks every bit of oestrogen in the body. Yeah, so
1: the Zolodex is handling the ovarian suppression and, Mm. yeah, the other medication, a pill that I take every day, is handling the other side so my body... As far as I'm aware, is completely devoid of oestrogen. Mm. I had to change the tablet that I was on because um, I was having menopause-related issues. Because, like during chemo, some of the side effects came from, I think both. Mm. You know, like pain and um, weird, like temperature fluctuations and issues with my memory and like cognitive side of things. Mm. And so when I finished chemo and was, like, and was recovering from that, like some of those side effects were going away or decreasing, but they'd only go to a certain point. And it wasn't until I was having my checkups and I'm saying to them, I'm still really fatigued. I'm still in pain. My mind is still a little bit in the clouds. They just kind of turned around and went, well, that sounds like it's to do with your hormone medication, menopause. So, I did some research myself because people were asking me, you know, what do you mean hormone medication? Like, why are you in a medical menopause? And I didn't know what to say to them. I was just kind of like, Mm. because my team told me so. (laughs) So, Uh. I was doing research so I knew what to say to them. And that's how I was finding all these things out or speaking to people, like going on Instagram and being like, Is anyone else having really bad urinary urgency? I don't know whether I've got a urine infection or something and people go, menopause, 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 menopause. Yeah.
0: So when you were, I mean, gosh, so just going back a bit, when you were 24, I mean, that's very young, isn't it? It's very unusual to be diagnosed with breast cancer. That must have been, obviously, I mean, it goes without saying, a massive shock.
1: Yeah, definitely. Did you
0: just find a lump or...
1: What happened? So my mum had breast cancer. Right. She was initially diagnosed in twenty twelve. So it became very big in my family to make sure you're checking whatever mm-hmm. age you are. And then we found out that her cancer metastasized in twenty seventeen. So I, I was checking, and not even like, oh, I need to check. It was just something I was doing routine, not even realizing I was doing it. And then one day I was just in the bath having a wash and like grazed my breasts as I was washing. I was like, oh, mm. that's never been there before. So I looked down and just like my whole boob looked different. My mm. nipple completely changed direction. There was swelling. There was dimpling around my areola. And so I had a shower sticker from Copperfield that has the symptoms on and I'd got it at university yeah. and it was just like by the side. So I was like looking at that and I was like, oh, got a few of those. I'm going to need to get a um, mm. appointment. There was a few delays, not on their part, but mostly on my part, because my mum was very ill at this time. Oh. She was dying. And she died at the end of November 2017, and then I was diagnosed three weeks later.
0: Oh, gosh, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. So you've had to go through so much so quickly at such an early age. And just to have the diagnosis, let alone the treatment, is really battering, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I I don't think English has the words to describe it, really. It's just, yeah, it batters you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, Mm. all all of it.
0: (laughs) Yes, totally, totally. And so when someone mentioned the word menopause, was it in your radar at all? Did you know what that meant or how it could affect you at all?
1: Um, I knew uh, what the menopause was because coming from a single parent family and being an only child, my mum and I were so close. Mm. So I... You know, I was one of those children that, you know, boundaries didn't exist. You know, she'd go to the toilet and I'd like walk in, sit on the bath and have a chat with her. So from an early age, I knew what periods were and I knew about menopause and things like that in like a very child friendly way. But yeah, it just didn't feel like something that even when they said hormone therapy, it just didn't really feel like I don't know how to describe it. It just didn't feel like it was something I was going to have to deal with. In the mm. same way, I don't know whether that was because, well, I think big part of it, obviously, being my age, in cancer literature, you don't see many young people. So you kind of, you don't mm. feel like that's you. Yes. And of course, it's not a natural menopause. My body's not naturally going through it. My body's forced into it. Mm. And there's those two different medical fields sort of going on at the same time you know oncology and then the endocrine hormones gynae all that kind of Mm. stuff and they they exist not together but separately so there's this kind of like weird you're in this weird middle ground Mm. and
0: it's it's very difficult isn't it because I think a lot of people think that menopause is just a few hot flushes and (laughs) you'll get through it and what they don't realise is you know there's it affects us in so many different ways and it affects ourselves in so many different ways and also that there are health risks as well so one of the things that sort of struck me when I spoke at another charity event actually for young women who've had cancer is that one lady was saying how she had no idea that it could affect her bones and her heart and her brain Mm. and that's really important for me as a physician. Is that there are obviously different treatments for menopause, but one of the things, whether someone takes HRT or not, is really important to look at bone health, to look at heart health, because we know there's this increased risk of osteoporosis and heart disease. So we need to not just think about the menopause as something that causes symptoms but something that can affect our future health. And that's probably something that maybe wasn't discussed with you or hasn't been discussed with you by your cancer doctors.
1: Not really, no. I think in cancer world, menopause is seen kind of as a side effect, not as something on its own. And because you've been diagnosed with cancer and you've gone through some really tough treatments like chemo or big surgery, it's kind of seen as you've just got to go on with it to an extent um, yes yeah you no know, it's not as bad as the cancer it's not as bad as the chemo you know kind of just got to get on with it my team spoke to me in terms of bone health I have an additional mm-hmm. infusion what's that called <laughs> menopause brain I can't remember what my own infusion's called
0: <laughs> um, that would be a type of bisphosphonate it's a meter I yeah. have that
1: every six months and they just kind of said, you know, this should help your bones. But then again, I had major problems with it the first time. And yeah, I ended up being like blue lighted to hospital, struggling to breathe and in mm-hmm. agonizing pain. And even they were like, we don't know what's happening inside of you. Oh. But yeah, a lot of what I found out since it has been through my own research or speaking to community. Oh, sure. And then of course, the Trek stock event, like I didn't realize even that, People that are in a medical menopause can have more side effects or harsher side effects because their bodies are just being mm. put into it. So naturally going through it, like that wasn't ever said to me. So I'm asking like my older relatives, you know, like, so was you like this during your menopause? And they're going, no, I had a couple of hot flushes and felt a bit moody. And that was mm. it. Or even like, to be honest, I barely noticed. Yes. And I'm sitting there like fanning myself, taking like a ton of vitamins and, with heat pads all on my joints and yeah. <laughs> looking like a 20-odd-year-old but feeling more like a 70-odd-year-old.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, we're not designed to have no hormones when we're in our sort of 20s and 30s. And that's mm. and everybody's experience is different. You know, of there'll course. be some people who are older that have horrendous experiences and some people younger that haven't. But there are mm. other ways of helping with symptoms But it can be very difficult if you don't know where to go. You know, even sometimes changing diet can help. But it can be very hard because there's so little information. And one of the things that I sort of heard a lot at this TrekStock event was the localised symptoms that occur. So you've already said the urinary tract infections a lot of girls well called girls because I feel old they're not girls young women were were saying about how vaginal dryness was really affecting them and sex was a real issue and they couldn't talk about it and I don't know if you remember I asked just a show of hands how many people had experienced vaginal dryness and it was about half the room but actually when I looked around most people had come with a friend who probably hadn't had cancer. So it was probably the majority of women Mm. who had it, but yet most of them hadn't had any treatment at all. And it's really important, you know, because... I'm not sure if you're aware, but one of the really effective treatments for vaginal dryness and also urinary symptoms is giving vaginal oestrogen. So that's oestrogen as a pessary or a cream, which is different to HRT. No, yeah, I not It's different to HRT. So all it is, it can be given regularly in the vagina and it just seeps out into the surrounding tissues. So that's why it can help with the bladder. Oh, okay. Um, but it doesn't get into the rest of the body. So, you know, when people have been told they can't have HRT, you can still use local oestrogen and it's available on a prescription so that's something that can really transform a lot of people's lives but a lot of people don't know about it
1: including yourself it seems no definitely not I think again because it's different medical fields Mm. there's this kind of like overlap I think a lot of us as well feel like In terms of the vaginal dryness, we can't, you know, there's that stigma Mm. of talking about that part of your body and talking about sex. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can be, I think talking about vaginal dryness with medical teams or these oncologists that, you know, they're doctors and, we know that they're brilliant in their field and it can just, yeah, it can feel very embarrassing. Um, but it shouldn't
0: though, should it? You know, yeah. as, as doctors, we can talk about anything, yeah. and we've been, you know, trained to anything, but it's cool. But the problem is a lot of oncologists don't have any training or education about the menopause and they don't realise also that vaginal oestrogen is very safe because it doesn't get into the rest of the body. Yeah, And they also haven't been trained to ask. Because I think if you went to a clinic and someone said, oh, Emma, have you had any vaginal dryness or does it feel different down below, then you probably Mm. would feel easier talking about it as well. But if no one's asking the questions, you're not going to be asking. And it's a two-way thing, isn't it? it could be really difficult.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like a two-way street. Mm. Not even just with that, but with side effects in general. Again, it's that feeling like they think menopause is a side effect, not an issue within itself, mm. which for those of us who are really struggling, whether it is with vaginal dryness um, that's like so painful that sitting down just hurts and or whether it's bone pain mm. or cognitive issues, it can really make you feel silenced yes. and alone. And again, it's that you don't know where to go. Like sometimes I don't know whether is this is something I need to speak to my cancer team about. Do I speak to my GP about? Yeah. yeah, It's a bit of a minefield. Of course, what's going on at the moment, our teams are under so much pressure, mm. not only dealing with us patients that they've had for a while, but also new patients and dealing with the backlog of cancer patients. That I guess these things kind of go to the wayside a bit because in their department the most important thing is getting rid of cancer in people and I completely understand that like I don't begrudge them. Absolutely but then Um,
0: it should be a priority that there is a team that can help and there are some places not many that do a joint clinic so a menopause and cancer clinic there's one in Bath and it's absolutely incredible to help women because you know you are going to be menopausal for a long period of time and hopefully you know with time the prognosis from your breast cancer will get better and better the longer it is obviously as you know since you've been diagnosed Yeah. but the more important then your future health is and we know that most women who've had breast cancer don't actually die from their breast cancer they die from heart disease because most women die from heart disease yeah. so we need to look at ways of improving our hearts we need to look at how you can function better and even just sometimes little things like having a bit more information someone to talk to someone to say well you can use vaginal estrogen so you can sit down a bit longer those (laughs) little things can make a huge difference
1: definitely but you
0: don't know how to get help and sadly you're not alone it's not like I've picked you out and showcasing you as someone that's really (laughs) struggling alone and you're you're a minority sadly there's a lot of women and it really this is why I'm so grateful that you're being so open on this podcast because I think it will resonate with a lot of people and there has to be change. It's really important. You know you're so young. You need to be listened to and you need to be helped and I feel the system as it is at the moment is not addressing this in the right way.
1: Yeah I I completely see where you're coming from like whether it's yeah like a some kind of like different clinic or even just being told like, Well, there's this place that you can go to, there's these people you can speak to, like I said, it's an oncology department that's their priority, and there is so much going on at the moment with the virus, yeah, but yeah, just just somewhere where you can feel a little less alone and get medical advice because it's all great that we can speak to each other. But, you know, we're doing random bits of research trying to find things we can fall victim to, schemes, products, being like, oh, this is going to help you. Yes, and there's a lot
0: of marketing out there for products that – Firstly, you don't know if they're safe or you don't know whether they're effective and they also cost money as well. So you don't want to be spending money on things that aren't going to help.
1: Definitely. One
0: of the things that we've done recently, which is going to come out really soon, is written a booklet for young women who've had cancer about menopause. And we've used one of my patients actually, who was only 19 when she was (laughs) diagnosed with a menopause. And it's all about the things she wishes she'd been told before. Yeah. And um, it's incredible and it will be available under the resources section of my medicals doctor website, and hopefully you can share that because it is about being empowered Amazing. with the right information. Because I I feel that we need to work together to try and help as many people as possible. And you know certainly mm. that event where there were so many people talking, although it was a very emotive, um, quite depressing subject, we were talking about. Everyone just seemed to go out (laughs) looking a foot taller, actually. They felt, I don't know whether your feeling from the audience was like that, but people felt, wow, I've been listened to. There's a reason that I'm feeling like this. And there are even some small things that might be able to help.
1: Definitely. I felt very, I felt very empowered afterwards. Like just hearing this conversation being had between, you know, the panellists and different people in the audience even though I didn't ask a question necessarily, it was like seeing other people's questions were finally being answered and you could tell that so many of them were coming from places of like desperation of wanting an answer and kind of sad that, you know, maybe their GP or their doctor's office just didn't feel like the safe space to ask them. But, you know, a huge panel discussion was mm. the place which just says a lot in itself, yes. you know, about things like that. And I can't help but think that I'm a white woman that is treated in a central London hospital, and I'm dealing with this, I'm going through this. How is it for people that are being treated in really small oncology departments, really small local trusts, what are they having to deal with? What are black women, Mm. people of colour... having to go through we know about racial health care inequalities within cancer specifically but in terms of you know dealing with menopause side effects and medical menopause side effects how are they being affected what about trans people um what are they going through i
0: think wherever you look there are groups of women suffering and you know the menopause And cancer doesn't pick out certain type of women, does it? It doesn't care. But people are really neglected. And I think wherever, wherever I go, whichever group of women I speak to, whether it's ethnic minorities, or it's people who speak different languages, or if it's different socioeconomic classes, there's always people suffering. And there's not one group, actually, that aren't suffering. So it's not like middle-class white women are not suffering absolutely there are people suffering can't be heard even really vocal women can't be heard and then Mm. it's great we've got social media so obviously that's how we could connect so easily but there are lots of people that can't access social media they haven't got a phone they haven't got the internet they haven't Mm. and also there's a lot of misinformation out there so for everything that is evidence based, there'll be probably two or three things that are not evidence based, claiming that they can help or cure or and then that gives people false hope as well, doesn't it? Or people will sensationalise their stories and say how absolutely awful some things are and actually it might not be for you. So it's very difficult. You want to be treated as an individual person, don't you? To be listened to.
1: Yeah that would be of course in any kind of medical issue the dream that we are all treated as individual patients as opposed to you know like lists of symptoms hospital numbers things like that 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 is the dream mm. but yeah we've got a long way to go in terms of like patient-centered care
0: yeah and that makes me feel really sad because it you know it's my dream as well but it shouldn't be a dream it should be a reality mm. and I think the only way we can do it is by being really vocal and saying actually it's inexcusable and yeah you know I shouldn't really be saying this but if you'd had prostate cancer you would have had far more help than having breast yeah. cancer you know if you had been to a clinic and had hormone treatment you would have a lot more help and support about problems with erections problems with sex urine problems it's very different and why is it why are men allowed to even have more sex than women it's not right it's not fair it's can you imagine a man going through what you've gone through no
1: they wouldn't be allowed to no i know
0: Um, So there is a gender inequality with all of this as well, which makes me feel really, really cross, actually, and
1: really sad. No, definitely. Whether it's about menopause or another kind of medical issue, you hear a lot about women just kind of being told, like, oh, you know, you'll be Mm -hmm. fine. Take a paracetamol, you'll be fine. And yeah, I know in terms of my pain, I've definitely been told, you know, take some Iprofen, paracetamol, and it'll be fine. And then three months later... they're saying the same thing and I'm saying okay but I can't take paracetamol every day for three months (laughs) you know it says on the sides of the packet don't do it yeah (laughs) and the paracetamol's not touching it anyway so you can't help but sometimes think if menopause or something that men went through how different would things be
0: yeah absolutely right (laughs) of course (laughs) so we've got a huge way to go Emma but I'm you know I'm really grateful because you know you're young you've experienced so much and then you've been prepared to share so much over half an hour of talking and I I really am very (laughs) grateful because I'm sure it's taken a lot of confidence to do this but I really hope and I'm sure it will have helped many many people who can listen to this so but before you go Can I just ask for three take home tips? So for three things that you think would really make a difference to you going forwards, that would be quite easy to do in an ideal world, if that dream came true, what would be three things that you think would really help?
1: I'd say in terms of hot flashes, layers are your friend. I know it's winter, but you don't have to wear that really big giant coat. Maybe Yeah, a smaller, less insulated coat, but a better scarf, a thicker scarf, a thicker hat, thicker gloves. Because when that hot flush comes, you can rip those off, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially if you're in London and on the underground. (laughs) I found that very helpful. Another one would be to definitely speak to people, you know, search out those people, whether it's your peers or medical professional like louise because even just the feeling of knowing that you aren't on your own in this and that something can be done it can make all the difference like coming away from that and i was like yeah a foot taller i'm gonna to speak to my team we're gonna do this it was very was really like that <laughs> and third one oh gosh what would the third one be it's okay to miss your periods i felt very weird about that for a while I like oh i really miss having periods i really miss being able to moan about having periods but i can't say anything because everyone else is moaning about having a period mm. and i wish i was having one Aww. and i've reconciled that myself now and i'm like you know what girls like my friends i miss having a period <laughs> i'm <miss> bleeding <laughs> It's okay, and it's.
0: I think that's that's so true, and and the most important thing is to talk, isn't it? And to really explain how you feel because that really will make a difference. So thank you again, Emma, for your honesty and um sharing so much. So thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) For more information about the perimenopause and menopause, you can go to my website, menopausedoctor.co.uk. Or you can download our free app called Balance, available through the App Store and Google Play.